All right, let's go. We're on the road, heading back home. What are we going to talk about? Wow, we got a lot to talk about. Winthrop with a huge, what then the final day, 95, 91? Sure. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. 95-91. 95-91 overtime win. Second overtime in the last two weeks. Second in conference play. Winthrop now 6-1. and one. And this was a game where they were down double figures in the second half. They were down four with a minute to go. And then Patrick Good and Drew Bugs uh, hit three threes, two for... Pat Good, including the one that sent the game into overtime, and then won by Drew Bugs, and then Winthrop took over and ended up finishing in overtime. But, but just an amazing, amazing college basketball game. We also had an amazing trip to the BMW plant, the only BMW plant in the United States, in Greer, South Carolina. Had a terrific sandwich from a, a sandwich shop from downtown. We got NFL playoffs. We got a lot, lot going on. Barry Bonds didn't make it to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, they, I, I'm... Um, I have some thoughts on that. Should we talk about them now, or do you want to talk about them well, later? Whatever you want to talk about them. Let's just talk about it now. We'll get to Winthrop in a moment. It's not going to be a long conversation. What do you think? I think at this stage of the game, he should have gotten in. Couldn't disagree more. <laughs> Why is voting the 10th time any different than voting the 5th time? Well, I think he's a Hall of Famer. And I, I, I think he's a Hall of so Famer. So is Pete vote. Rose. So, yeah, but... <clears throat> If Barry Bonds wasn't a Hall of Famer yeah, but they the first vote of the second but they vote, he's not a Hall of Famer they weren't, in the 10th vote. But there weren't 20 guys that did what Pete Rose did. There, there were thousands of guys, well, not thousands, but there were hundreds of guys that did what, what uh, Barry Bonds did. I, I just feel like we've and he got, had, we've softened on our stance. For years and years was, we're not going to elect a doper, and he we know what he did, and it's proven, and all those sort of things. And now everyone, because it's his last year on the ballot, wants him to get in. I see no difference this year between last year. If you voted for him last year, vote for him again this year. The guy was a despicable jackass. Period. End of sentence. Does that mean he wasn't one of the greatest baseball players of all time? No, he was absolutely unbelievable. But he's not getting any favor from people that he was just a royal pain in the rear end to year after year after year after year, and he cheated. Now, there are surely many other people in the Hall of Fame that cheated, but... Well, baseball knew what was going on, and they didn't stop it. Like, they they, they kind of looked the other way. Like, that that's... They got what they wanted. And, uh, you know, he, before he took steroids, he was probably on the way to be a Hall of Famer anyway. But then he took steroids. He did, but a lot of guys did. And I'm not, not, not that many guys, though, are in the Hall of Fame that we stone cold up when they were elected knew were on steroids. Well, that's true. I, I mean, th- this is a proven, done deal. We know exactly what happened. If you let Barry Bonds in, you have to let a dozen other guys in. Because, of course, he's one of the greatest players of all time, but he flagrantly disregarded the rules. I, I mean, that's the price you have to pay. I'm glad Big Poppy got in. Yeah. I mean, talk about a guy that had a different um, relationship with the fans and the media. Yeah. I, I interned at KNBR in San Francisco, I think it was summer of 2001, maybe. John Schrader, who is now a professor of journalism at the University of Nebraska, he's from Nebraska, did 
baseball coverage and journalism in the Bay Area, sports journalism for 25, 30 years. And I said to him one day, he hosted a talk show, some pre-post type stuff, and, and just, just a really good human being. And uh, I said to him one day, you know, you hear all these stories about Barry Bonds. Are, are they true? And he said, he's the most despicable human being I've ever met. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean he wasn't a Hall of Fame right. and that shouldn't player. preclude you from being in the Hall of Fame. But he was, he was universally not liked by the media for good reason. I mean, he wasn't, he was kind of prickly. I mean, he was a bad guy, but he was a great baseball player and he cheated. So when you have to go back to the people that you treated poorly, who vote for who gets into the Hall of Fame, what goes around comes around. See, I think with the interesting case, uh what was that? Oh, it was my sunglasses. I think the interesting thing there is, what if he had, would have been a good guy and did everything that happened Everything's the same except his demeanor pre-game and post-game with the reporters. Is he in the Hall of Fame? I, I, I would guess yes. I, I don't know. I would guess yes. But because you, I mean, there was I mean, a swirl wh- around David Ortiz that he did steroids. But but it it, it was used it, the perfect word. It was a swirl yeah, yeah, around it. Right, it right. wasn't like a Balco investigation. Right, right, right. No, and and trust me, I mean, I'm I'm all for Big Poppy. I mean, I, he's probably I mean, my favorite. He's probably in my top five of favorite Red Sox players of all time. I mean, Roger Clemens is in the exact same boat as Barry Bonds, and they were consistent in not voting for right. him to go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I I don't have an issue with that. Like. I, I, I wouldn't have a major issue if Barry Bonds did make the Hall of Fame. But to me, the vote is no different. Year one, year five, sure, year sure, ten. Sure. Right, he still right. did the exact same things. Right. He still produced the exact same numbers. Right. I agree with that. I hear what you're saying. Should we move to Winthrop? Let's move on to Winthrop. <laughs> so, the last pod we did was after what game? Uh... Right. My, my brain is fried. We're, we're, this is our fourth game in what? Did eight we days? do a Did we do a pod so, before or after the trip to Charleston Southern? I think we did it on the way home from Charleston Southern. Okay, so was Charleston Southern the? Or was it home from PC? I think it was on the way home from PC. Okay, so anyway, Winthrop started off five and zero in the Big South. The five games came by a combined 17 points. The biggest margin in any of those games was a six-point overtime win against Asheville. They were all kind of these 50-50 games. Maybe they caught a breaker or two, and they made winning plays, as the Winter program has made for a long, long time. But over the last few games, the number of turnovers were creeping up. They were giving up too many offensive rebounds. And to me, the, the number that stood out that was most concerning was just field goal attempts. They weren't getting enough shots at yeah, the rim. Right, right. So that kind of culminated Monday night in a nine-point loss at High Point. And the new arena, by the way, is... It's outstanding. It's beautiful. Wow. It's... Yeah. it's the, the scoreboard is... Amazing. Unbelievable. Um, so they played really poorly. They lost. They had... You know, I went to practice yesterday, and I didn't know what to expect. I, I, I didn't know what the atmosphere would be like. I didn't know what the players would be like. And I left practice, and I think I called you, and I said, I don't know. I, I right, mean, right. like, they seem to be 
serious. They seem to be on task. They seem to be confident. But, uh, you know, it, it's hard to get between the ears of people. And, and then we come down here to Upstate today. And Upstate's playing really, really well. They're 5-1. and one. The 885 uh, capacity gym is mostly full. And it's loud. And the first half, even though Winthrop only led by three or four at the break, it was played at, at a tempo right. and a crispness. Now, Winthrop turned the ball over too much in the first, first half, half. But, but at least the, the flow seemed right. And then in the second half, they didn't turn the ball over nearly as much, but they couldn't, they couldn't get a shot to go down. And there's eight minutes to go, and they're down by 11. And I'm just like, it's the fourth game in seven days. They're, they're out of gas. Right. And it didn't look good. It didn't look but good. But they, they didn't stop playing, so no. they cut. Wait, the wait 11... you, you, they didn't stop at that point? No, they didn't. They didn't, they didn't put in the managers. They didn't <laughs> wave the white towel. Yeah. They decided to continue to play the basketball. Right. And game. I think I said to you at that point, look, this is where good teams find a way to win. Right, and it's interesting because that's the type of thing I would normally say. Right. And I said it's the fourth game in seven right. days. They would have reasonable... Uh, yeah. This was like the bizarro opposite game for us. Totally, because I was like, it's fourth game in seven days. They're freaking yeah. exhausted. Yeah. Upstate was off on Monday. Winter had to play, and they cut that 11-point lead down to seven, and then it's down to four. And it's still kind of looking like, well, they're down four... With a minute to go, this this doesn't seem overly likely. Yeah. And Pat Good passes up a three with about 30 seconds to go. And Drew Bugs, who probably isn't the, the knockdown shooter you most expect to get the ball, hits a three. That gets it to a two-point game. And with their fouls, and they hit two, and it's now they're down four. And then Pat hits a three to cut it to one. They foul again. They hit two more free throws. And, uh, I mean, I, I just don't know how you can be a coach and not foul up three these days. Right. I don't I don't get it. The, the data is fairly clear. And that's not to say that you can't foul and it can burn right. you. But, but – Upstate didn't foul, and Pat Good hit a difficult three in which he said in the postgame show, I didn't even watch it go, and I knew it was going. <laughs> I know. That was awesome. <laughs> and he just has, just has enormous stones. Just just wants the ball in that moment, believes in himself, and, you know, they, they missed a 75-footer at the buzzer. The game goes to overtime, and I would have bet the farm that Winthrop yeah. was going to win in overtime at that point. It's not yeah. like they they won huge. They won by four points. But, like, I just – I said at the very top of the broadcast, the first words out of my mouth in the pregame show were there are inflection points yep. during the season. And how they responded to the game on Monday, like, do you come together or do you split apart? It, it felt like this was – meaningful yeah. and, and I don't know that this makes any sense but I thought that if they lost tonight now you've lost two in a row yeah. you're licking your wounds you're about to play five in ten days when you go to Longwood Saturday it's a long trip up there I, I wasn't going to think that that looked all that good either sure. and now you're going to get to practice tomorrow you're going to have a hop in your step you're going to have a confidence and the coaches are going to go oh by the way you're playing the only unbeaten team in the league on Saturday yeah, yeah. And, and while 
while it is five games in 10 days, and I think Longwood, I, I've not watched Longwood play a lot. I've seen a few minutes yeah, here and there. But like, there. my uh, guess is Winthrop's going to burn the doors down and be ready to roll yeah. whether they win or not on Saturday. Sure, they should. And they, you know, for them in the stretch that they're in, I mean, uh, you know, it's not that it's a day off, but it's, a, you know, two days between games is a novelty. Yeah, right. And the, the, the numbers are now just unbelievable. That's the fourth game they've won this year when trailing by 10 points yeah. or more. They've won five or maybe it's six. I think it's six straight overtime games now. They've won, I think, six or seven games this year when trailing with five minutes yeah. to go. They've won five of their last six conference road games when trailing at halftime. And th- these are just not things you're supposed to accomplish. No, and they've had a couple times where they've they've had to lead a half and lost. Yeah, right, a couple of Which them. is usually an indicator of, you know, not that you're going to win all those, but usually when Winthrop, you know, because you... <coughs> Excuse me, you have all the numbers, but you know, but Winthrop generally, I don't know, what's it like 60, 70, 75% wins when they leave? Oh, it's more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's, and, and like, DJ had the big game off the bench tonight. 27 points, and we didn't really talk about him. Right, because you have to talk about yeah. Patrick Good, and then, right. and I know it doesn't have anything to do with the game, and like, there are guys that, you know, love talking to the media, there are guys that hate talking to the media. In, in however many years we've been at Winthrop, is it 16 years? There aren't many players that I, I like interacting with more, that I like watching more. And I don't mean just in the game, before and after the game, it's just like the professionalism that Patrick Good brings to the team is rare. Yeah. It is. And he's, he's you know, you know, very thoughtful in his responses when he, you know, answers questions for us, which is, you know, it's good. He just... He, he gets it. He's at games early shooting. He's at games afterwards shooting. He works out like a crazy man. I mean, like... I like he said, too, like his approach when he's practicing shooting. Like he's, yep. He's imagining these situations in his head. So when it comes time, it's not something that's, you know, drastic or odd for him. They always say that pros and college guys are so different. I mean, Michael Jenkins, who does some games with us, talks about, like, being a professional and, like, waking up and, like, going to the gym and getting shots up and doing all those extra things. And Pat Good is in whatever, his fifth year, sixth year of college, and, like, he just acts like this is a professional job to him. He, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of. And... You know, the regular season that picks out doesn't mean a great deal. Like, what 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 does it get you? A seeding in a tournament? It sure feels like most of the teams in the league are, are good enough to beat each other on any given night. But winning close games, the, the swagger and the belief yeah. that goes with that, and, and to a degree, there's some of it that it's when you put a Winthrop jersey on, you know the history and you know that it's been this way for a long time. But some of it's the... The individual players too, and Patrick Good is one of those guys that, like, he could have played for this program at oh, any yeah. point yeah. in the history of the program. You know, Greg certainly had his type of guys, and Pat certainly had his type of guys. Pat Pat Good is in everybody. Yeah, he'd fit in on that. I think Mike Anumba would fit in into that category too. Yep. No. No question. So, 
it, 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 it's been a fun run. I've now asked three players in the last week, are you tired? Bugs and Anumba and Good. And Bugs has said, yep. And Anumba has said, yep. And Pat Good said, no. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tired. I'm not, no, not tired. He watches Scott Van Pelt. I'm not tired yet. Not tired. I'm, not, I'm not tired yet. Um, are you tired? I'm tired. <laughs> well, you know what? I was more tired on Monday. Okay. Is it because they lost? I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. I mean, remember, we had Saturday. We did a TV game Saturday. Well, I did a TV game. You had a radio home game. And then... And this may be the good segue into football. I mean, just just an unbelievable day of football on Sunday. And then, uh, you know, but I'm prepping and, you know, watching those games. And then, um, you know, Monday's high point game. And then day off. Not a day off, but a day to work. And then back at it today. We'll get to the football in a minute. But one of the neat things that we do in addition to broadcasting the basketball games is we kind of try to find something or somewhere to go near the areas that Winthrop plays games. So obviously we've talked about the trip to the Pacific yeah. Northwest and we did a bunch of things, sure. museums and the Kraken game and all right. And all sometimes this. it's a combination of food and cultural items. Right, or, or sometimes it's or, just a local restaurant. Yeah. And in Nashville we did a bunch of stuff. We saw a basketball game at Belmont. Yeah, and we. Cool. We went to the Country Music Hall of Fame and we ate some local fare and yada, yada, yada. Well, you and I have talked for a few years about, hey, you know, there's that BMW plant down near Spartanburg. And then we've never... Well, I think you looked into it last year and it was closed. That That's definitely possible. It would have been COVID last year. And, and, and like, but we, we've talked about it. Like, we generally know that it's there. Yeah. And... and I sent an email to kind of their media relations people last week and was just like, hey, this is what we do. Would love to stop by. Didn't know if I'd hear back and heard back almost instantly. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to have you guys. What time? Tell us a little bit more about yeah. what you do. We got down there today. I guess I was a little naive. I don't know what I expected to see. I didn't see. expect that, yeah. I, I am in total and utter awe of what a car manufacturing production plant looks like. It was it was just I mean, it was amazing, right? I mean I mean obviously you know I think all of us know from, from history, I mean the you know the this is funny because the guy that was our tour guide, Steve Wilson, I mentioned this to him. And I said, you know, you know, obviously it started with Henry Ford, and that's when our thought of the production line. Whereas, you know, you work on the you know, the car goes down a line, and people, you know, are, are along this line and doing all their, you know, bits and pieces. Now, he said that the Mercedes-Benz people might say that they, they did, <laughs> but that, that's neither here nor there. Um, but just just the the sheer volume and numbers that they're able to do, and. I mean, this this building, they have two assembly... Basically, what happens is they, they have two uh, body shops and two assembly plants. Now, the body shops are where they paint the cars. And that's like a 10- or 12-hour process. They go through five different, you know, coatings. Then when it's ready, then it goes over to um, the corresponding assembly plant because they, they have model lines. So two models go to one and the other models go to the other or, so, or something like that. And then when it gets to the assembly plant, you know, they, they take the doors off and... Then they put the sunroofs in, and 
then they put the what's the central nervous system, all the wiring, and then they they, they put the, the the motor in, and then the fluids and all that stuff. And it was just amazing that at, at any given shift, there's eight about 800 to 900 people, and all eight or 900 people that are on the assembly floor that day have a role in putting. It's incredible. An individual car, like so. So in other words, every single car is more or less touched or overseen yes. or looked at or tested by all of the people. Yeah. And the car basically is in and out in 24 hours. Like you said, yeah. the first half is the painting and then the second half is the assembly. But like, I, I guess you should know this. I just never stepped away to think about it. Assembling a car... It was like 6,000 pieces, right? Yeah, there are more than 6,000 pieces in every one. But it is... It's less a mechanic and more a technology company. I mean, I thought I was... I thought I was looking at something that should be in Silicon Valley. Yeah. There are robots everywhere. Like like 2,400 robots? And the robots, they, they do both heavy lifting and technical stuff. The, the, the robot we saw that was putting in the um, the moon roofs, is that the one? The windshield, yeah. Or, it, the, or the, the moon roofs, yeah. yeah, yeah. The moon the sun roofs. roofs. The sun roofs. It would be able to recognize what type of car yeah. was coming and therefore what size of yeah. a and, piece and what's of... And screws, and like all the things it needed to put that particular windshield in the particular the right model in the right car right and then it, it sways and it turns and it latches and, and I mean and it does all of this stuff in I don't know 60 seconds 60 seconds and how about and they also have uh, like some of the I would call it a, it's probably not really a robot but they have these machines or robots that are ergonomically designed for the workers to sit on. Unbelievable. And it, it puts them in the car where they can, so their yeah, so the, fingers don't get all like... The employee bent. is sitting in a chair yeah. that is then moving yeah. and pushes them in in an angle so they're perfectly there to do whatever task they're, they're doing. Yeah. And then the machine automatically takes them out and puts them in the next one and spins them in exactly correctly. It, it looked like... It, it almost looked like a video game where you're moving people yeah. around and you're angling them. It was Well, you got to think about this. I mean, it's like next century... I mean, the way they designed... The design, well, when we went to the bigger one, the assembly, it was half a mile long. Uh, and it had, they had what called, they called fingers, and it would go down... Yeah, however far it went, a couple of them went half a mile, but not all of them did. And they're expandable; like they can, they can. There's still room to make them longer. But the the two things that struck me as being crazy is that you know, and everything that's computerized, and they have monitors. They can figure out when the computer can figure out when things aren't right. Like for instance, right. if, you, if you have a wrong part. And Part of the design is they want to make sure at every individual station, and there was probably a couple hundred individual stations where you're doing stuff. Every individual station, the idea was leave it. It leaves you correct so the next person doesn't have to deal with the problem. Right, and and whether it be a person or a computer, if they recognize something's wrong, each station has its own, like, jingle that starts playing to indicate... So so the 
like the supervisor or the next person up knows to come over and fix it. Unbelievable. The other thing I thought that was nuts too was um, after it goes through all of that, it goes to where they actually start putting in gas and fluids and all that. And then they have this like artificial intelligence station where there's like, a, what did he say, a hundred or a thousand? There's like, there's a, there's a ton of cameras. And a thousand taking, cameras. A thousand cameras, that's what I thought. Thousand, and they're taking all these different angles. And just by the, you know, collecting all that data from the photos, the computer can determine if something's out of, you know, if the right, out of alignment. It or, basically looks at everything. everything. And, and, and the cameras are, there's some from below, and there's yeah. some from the left, and there's some from the right, and there's some from the top, and they're, they're angled all the way around so you can get a picture of, of everything. And like, like you said, artificial intelligence, robots, what did he say? How many employees? And they still have, um, was it eleven or 1,200 employees? Or was yeah. it more than that? Um, I'm going to look it up. But but I know there's 800 on every shift, and they do two shifts. 11,000 11, employees, employees yeah. at the plant total, but that's not all people on the assembly line. That's that's throughout that entire sure, place. Sure, sure. They've produced 5.7 million cars since opening in 1994. Number one production of BMW in the country, and, or I'm sorry, in the, in the world. world, and 70% of them get shipped abroad. It's crazy. Uh, just, it was spectacular. And that's the thing. The computers know Oh yeah, this one's diesel, yes, yeah. this one's unleaded, well, this, this one, one needs the, the wheel on the right, right side. side. This yep, one, I mean, yep, yep. It, <laughs> I was blown away. Yeah, it was it was fun. And uh, Steve Wilson and uh, his uh, intern were terrific, great tour guides. Well, and, and the other thing about the tour is they know that the facility is big and somewhat loud, so they gave oh, yeah. us headsets. And Steve talked into a microphone. Yeah, it was terrific. It's the most comfortable headset yeah. I've ever I know, worn. I know. It, it, the, the, the volume. It was kind of like the doctor stethoscopes. And it, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what a. Yeah, it was terrific. So impressive. Yeah, well, I really enjoyed that. And, you know, BMW was, you know, terrific for hosting us. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Totally. And, and educational. I, I felt like I learned something. Totally. Now, they've produced 5.7. <laughs> million cars since 1994. Yeah. My understanding is more than 40 million people watched wow. several. I thought you were going to say we produced like 300 and something bearded car casts, but I think we have. I don't know how many have we done. A hundred <laughs> something. And like some? that. I don't know. It's, uh, um, more than 40 million people watched at least one. I think. I think more than one of the NFL games. All four games. At wait least a minute. I thought people weren't watching the NFL anymore. Right. Didn't it roughly 30 million people vote for each side in the most recent presidential I election. To 40, but. I mean, more people can agree on watching the NFL <laughs> than any other thing that we do in this country. And, and I mean, I was having a half facetious conversation with my wife and then my mom on the phone after the game on Sunday. I, I legitimately, I feel sorry for people that don't enjoy watching football. Yeah. What incredible drama. I have no hot takes about the games that you haven't heard already. We don't need to go into excruciating detail about games that were played four days ago. The entertainment value of the NFL, it, the only thing that rivals it is the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it was, and to have all four, like three of the games 
the visiting team won and it was on a walk-off field goal. And then in the um, in the Chiefs-Bills game, that was like a video game. I mean, are you kidding me? 13 seconds to go and Patrick Mahomes gets them in field goal range and then so, Harrison Butker kicks a field goal to put it into overtime? I play a game with several of my friends where you pick every NFL playoff game against the spread and the total, the mm-hmm. over-under. And in that game, and, and like, like there were no good picks or bad picks this week because any of the four sides could have won right. any of the four games. So you're not a genius if you've got them all right, and you're not an idiot if you got them all wrong. In that game, I had Kansas City, which ended up being a winner, and the under, which ended up being a loser. Yeah. When they went to the two-minute warning, it was fourth down and 13 for <laughs> Buffalo. Yeah. And if there's an incomplete pass, if they fail to get the first yeah. down, Game now over. Buffalo does have three timeouts left, right. but probably Kansas City is just trying to run the ball yeah. and get on a dodge, get one first down, and end the game. Yeah. And instead, we got four scores, yeah. four touchdowns in the final two minutes. And then, obviously, Kansas City won the toss, got the ball, went down the field, and scored. Do you want to talk about that for just a minute? You and I have talked about it briefly already. Do you have an issue with the overtime rule? So, I, th- I think it boils down to this, right? It's a, it's a player safety. One of the, I think, concerns is player safety. And then the other concern is fairness, right? I don't know that you can do both. I mean, I think if you want it to be fair, then you have to either do and pick a time limit, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, like a normal you know, quarter or go 10 minutes. Um, to me, one of the best examples I heard, Dave, uh, I think it was Kyle Brandt from the NFL Network, and it made sense, right? It's like an overtime in baseball. Now, granted, baseball's different innings, right? But, you know, if it's Red Sox-Yankees in a playoff game and it's, you know, 9-9 going into the top of the 10th. If the Yankees score three runs, the game's not over. So, but to me, what I think that the, if you're going to go fairness, to me the fairness issue is you, you put another, either, you know, again, 10 minutes, 7 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever whatever the time limit is. Or I would probably prefer to put, you know, a quarter, I mean, you know, make it a quarter and then reassess it at then, you know. But I, I, I don't think... Um, Having said that, though, if you're if you're if you're going to tell me, well, you know, we don't want to play an extra 15 minutes because player safety, then I, then I think the way they've established it is is the way to go because, you know, defense is a part of the game too, and you have an opportunity to stop. I I, I you know have, you have an opportunity to stop them. I know I've said this before. This is not my idea. This is one of my best friends' idea. This is the the guy that was the now before the you best... get into this, remind me because I heard something similar but different from Bill Simmons, and I'll, we'll talk about that after this. All right. The, the, the guy that was the best man in my wedding is one of these kind of like mad scientist genius guys. I and went, a follower of the Bearded Car cast. Maybe. Uh, Used to sorry. be? Well, yeah, I mean, once in a while. Once, he's, got, okay. he's got working kids and okay, stuff. I mean, okay, like, we'll, we'll cut him maybe, I mean, maybe he'll tell me he listened and he loved this or I didn't represent his idea well enough. Right. But th- this has been his idea for a long time. The two teams get to midfield to begin overtime. Right. And you can establish the rules however you want. It can be sudden death or it can be a touchdown wins or or whatever you want. But the determination of who gets the ball first 
is not determined by a coin flip. Okay. It is determined by a bidding process. Okay. So team A says, we'll take the ball at the 25-yard line, just okay. like a touchback. Yeah, right. And team B says, um, we'll take the ball at the 20-yard line. Right. And team A can say, all right, you can have it at the 20. Or they right. can say, we'll take the ball at the 15-yard line. Okay. The other team can say, yeah, you can have it at the 15. We're going to stop you from there. Or it can be team, they can say, oh, we'll take it at the 10-yard yeah. line. It can go all the way back. So if Mahomes wanted the ball and Buffalo said, we want it at the 2, Mahomes said, we want it at the 1, now you got to go 99 yards mm. to win the game. And, and you can do this in a variety of ways. So it could be... Okay, Kansas City ball at the one-yard line. If they go down the field and score, they win. If not, like a normal football game, they punt. It could just be, though, one possession. If you mm. go down the field and score, yeah. you win. If you do not score, the other team yeah. wins the game. Because you had the opportunity right. to have the ball or not have yeah. the ball. Yeah. So let me tell you, the Bill. well, this isn't Bill Simmons' idea. It was like uh, Ron Earhart from the Patriots back in the 80, early 80s because I guess they'd lost a... a, a close game and I think it might have been against Buffalo of all people but um, overtime starts coin flip is fine team A goes down marches marches on the field scores a touchdown his idea is okay if you do it in seven plays then the other team has seven plays to do the same thing I don't like it how about the Elam ending? Would you do an Elam ending for this? I don't know how you, you would do that. that? Like, but the, the, the doing it into a certain number of plays goes against what the sport is. The sport says if you score in one play and you score in 15 plays, that's the exact same thing. But you thing. have an opportunity. You still have an opportunity to... To me, that's way too much of a, a gimmick. That's four-on-four four or three-on-three three hockey, which they do during the regular season, but they don't yeah. do in the postseason. I, I don't know why. What was, be... What's the name of that? Like, what's the name of that that, that game show? It was like name that tune. Yeah, that's exactly what it's yeah. like. Yeah. yeah, that's not a gimmick. I can, <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, can, I let, can score in three plays. Or right, like, like I the love 30. the idea that we put ten minutes on the overtime clock, and if a team goes down the field and kicks a field goal after a nine-minute and forty-five-second drive. Then they win the game, or the other team gets the ball back for 15 seconds. Like I, I don't know why a ball control running offense should be handicapped in overtime because. But, but it's like a normal period of time in a game. I, 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 mean, I would do 15 minutes because I think that's. But I could see 10 minutes. But at least you have an opportunity. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, don't I, know. I also don't think what they have now is the end of the world. The defense has an opportunity yeah, to go out and stop the either. other team. But. Right. It's a fun, it's a fun topic. It's to a great discuss. topic. A great topic to discuss. So, anybody listening, any food ideas in Farmville, Farmville Virginia? Virginia. We, we have not had extraordinary. We did success. go to the place that we thought we got the stink eye from Jerry Falwell. <laughs> yes, that that is true. We, I would say, we've had better food in Farmville than in Clinton, mm. but. Now, we could also uh, be talked into if there's uh, someplace along the route. Absolutely. That would do the trick. That would definitely do the trick. So, uh, your suggestions, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Or just hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up. It's probably better because we, I mean, Dave and I have become not so great at what love. Anyway, but uh, at beardedcarcast on Twitter or you can go 
at Friedman underscore Dave or at Mike Pacheco 81. Give us your suggestions for food on the way to Farmville, Virginia. This has been listener-supported Bearded Carcast. On the way back from Spartanburg, headed to Charlotte. We are at exit 106. It's 11 GMT. Thanks for listening. Good. David Mike out.